Hello, reader. Welcome to another Monday morning. It's so nice to have you here. So today we have another fun book truck surprise. I had the pleasure of spending some time with Hillary Atleo. Hillary runs Iron Dog Books in Burnaby, BC. Now, Iron Dog Books started out as a book truck. And it now has, in addition to wheels, it has an address. She has started her own immobile bookshop, which I think is awesome. So instead of just talking books and then transitioning to business in this podcast, this podcast will mostly be about business. We do talk books because, you know, we can't help ourselves. But this one is really all about the behind the scenes of two different book truck companies and how we work. So for all of you people who are just geeking out on the book truck stuff, this is right up your alley. So here's my conversation with Hillary. Hillary, thank you so much for being on this podcast today. Oh, I'm so happy to be talking to you. Well, and this is not our first time, right? Because Mark and I did go out to Burnaby and we got to meet you last year. Was it last year already? It was. Yeah, I guess it was. It was slightly, uh, yeah, it was slightly more than last year because you guys came out in 2018. Yeah, and a year and a half. 2020 now, yeah. Wow, so much has changed since then. Yeah, <laughs> I know when you came out, you were just thinking, uh, you know, asking me questions about how I do what I do and how it's going to work and what kind of advice I've got. Now you're doing it. <laughs> now I'm doing it. Well, you're still you're still my big sister in this whole area because you you have just done such a great job at modeling what's possible. And even though my truck looks so different from your truck, I love the fact that we do something similar and we fulfill this need for people that is very unique. You know, I think I think that's really true. And the other piece of it, and this is what I said when you, you weren't, I don't think you were the first person to contact me asking how to do it. Um, so I was still kind of figuring out how to, how to, cause you know, we get asked all the time, how do I do start my own? Um, so you weren't the first person, but you were definitely the first person to come and see me. But the thing that really got me about the whole industry, and it got me when I was looking to get into it, is that there's just so little information available about any type of mobile retail, much less mobile book selling. I totally agree. I totally agree. And even still, now that I'm in it, when I go to places, they have no idea what it is that I do. They have to have it over and over again because it's such a weird idea for them. Yeah, it's one of the most invigorating parts of working is how constantly excited people are. And, you know, it's funny because I did an interview on CBC recently. And the when you go on the radio beforehand, the producer talks to you to make sure you're not going to totally freeze like a deer in the headlights. So we're talking beforehand. And he said to me, oh, like he was getting really excited. And he said to me, this is just so cool. Like, I want to hear all about it, but I don't want to use up all the juice. And I was like, and I just said to him, this is my job explaining what I do like I never run out of words about this because you know two and a half well like three three years since we started the project and and all I have done basically since we started the project is tell people what I'm gonna do I know. over and over and over in like yes. a really positive way for the most part but I remember oh, in particular okay so I want to I want to start actually this story by saying I remember especially at the very beginning when you're first buying the truck you're trying to say to people so I need it. I need it to do this job. I need to put the bookshelves in and this is my vision. And they're all looking at you like you have zero common sense. Then you're 
you're trying to once you've built the thing you're trying to explain the people who run the events this is what i do and they're all looking at you like like you're some or you know writing you emails where you're saying to them yeah i'm a person who sells books at the back of a truck which is not how you phrase it but that's what they read that's yes yeah <laughs> and they say to you i don't think that's for us and you're, you're like no it is can you just have faith that this I promise you're going to love it in a way you didn't know and then I remember so the follow-up to this story is we were maybe a year a year and a half in and I went to the hardware store as one does pretty much continuously doing this job and yes. I yeah and my normal spiel at the hardware store is like this is what I do and I pull out my phone and I'm like, here's a bunch of photos and here are my needs. And here's why all of these conventional solutions don't work. You know, like you just get used to it. So I'm showing it to the guy and maybe I got like 10 minutes in. He said to me, Oh, I've heard of this. (laughs) That's incredible. Like we just got to skip my whole half hour explanation of what (sighs) I do and why. I know it was amazing. I felt like I'm like, yes, it's happening. (laughs) You know, it's all worth it. (laughs) I've totally totally done the same thing where I have to show pictures of the truck on my phone. And I I remember going to an event one time and I said, you know, it's so funny. I used to show pictures of my kids and now I show pictures of the inside of my book. Yes. Like things change so quickly. I don't know if you do this, but I have a way that I present the truck, which is that I, sh- I explain to them, you know, it's exactly like a food truck, except we sell books. And then I pull out the phone and I show them a picture on Instagram of the exterior of the truck. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's just like a food truck. And then I show them the interior of the truck. And they're just like, what? I don't, I don't even, what? <laughs> I know, I, I know. It's great. <laughs> yes, it's that reveal moment. You it's know? totally the reveal I know. I love it. I love it. And I often think that when I open the back of the truck and I see it for the first time, I want to remember that moment when people experience the truck for the first time, because that's why I do it. Is is that feeling? Yeah, I have a lot of favorites. But one of my favorite things is when people stand at the bottom of the stairs with this look of just sheer exhilarated joy, you know, and yes. I just think, yes, I know how you feel. There was a lot of times when we first started where I would look back and think, like, I sort of don't believe this still exists, like, or that, is, that this exists, that we built it, you know? It is. We often joke, Mark and I, about how this is like our third baby, and we're watching it grow, and we're navigating it, we're trying to protect it, and doing all these things for it. Yeah, I have made that comparison a lot, but the difference is, is that, I think if you took all of the knowledge that you have about parenting, like for me, this is definitely true. If you could take everything that I know about what parenting is like and what my kids are like and everything, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And although I am very, very happy with our business and I'm so glad I did it, I often have thought like on a particularly bad day. (laughs) And reason I think why lots of entrepreneurs don't wind up continuing with their businesses is because you get into it and so much of it, much like parenting, is stuff that you didn't know was going to happen. Yes. And I think that if you could really encapsulate all of those things and just kind of know it beforehand, with my kids, I would 100%, absolutely, I would totally have them again they are the best thing that's ever happened to me and with the business I feel the same way but it's definitely not that knee-jerk like yes it's the best thing I've ever done it's like this is really hard yes <laughs> yes it is super hard 
hard yeah. and it's expensive and it's risky and it's all those all those things i often think when i'm in it if I, you had told me five years ago that i'd be doing this i would have thought you were cracked because there's no <laughs> there's no way that somebody who just does this yeah i you know what's really funny is that i never had that feeling until recently when we were building the new store i was out in the truck and and i mean i'm sure you get this too people ask me all the time how i pick what goes into the truck and you know all those sorts of things and all uh, the time. yes exactly and how do you narrow it down and then i i'm sure you get this too but i get lots of compliments on how good the selection is the one of the things about it is that i i had this weird sort of like meta moment where i looked at it and i thought I don't know how I do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've had that. Like maybe, maybe you need to be in it for another year and a half before you can, and, or maybe you've already had this feeling. I don't know. But like where you look at it and you just think, this is a mad, 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 mad idea. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not totally sure it works. You know, it's been very successful for us, but don't totally know how it works, except that I, you know, Dory from Finding Nemo is my entrepreneurial icon. <laughs> And I just keep swimming and, you know, and I work super hard all the time, you know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's so much work. It was so beautiful. This lady came into the truck one day, was at an event and she was older and she said, Oh, are you hiring? And I said, well, no, I, no, not right now. And <laughs> so, you know, well, when I can pay myself, then I'll think about hiring people. Oh, <laughs> All right, <keep> going. <laughs> and she said, cause this is what I would love to do when I retire. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh boy, like, ah, it's you're lifting and you are physically exhausted so many days and you're right about going to the hardware store there's so many things that you have to navigate yeah i think it looks like it's just this luxurious like stand there amongst the books kind of environment but you know there is so much work behind the scenes that is exhausting well and i think that the behind the scenes point is a really key aspect I mean, you know, so actually a hilarious touch point of commonality. My first bookshop job was in Edmonton while uh, Clifford was doing his PhD. I worked at the Wee Book Inn mm -hmm. um, and I started there in 2010. I, having worked, you know, extensively in secondhand bookshops before this, because then I moved to Russell Books out here in Victoria, I can tell you <laughs> for a fact that the book truck is, you know, exponentially more work. And a huge part, it's not, it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot more flexible, but it is a lot more work. And the key reason for that is that a lot of the work that you would get done during a regular working day in the bookstore, you can't do when the book truck is open for business. So you, Correct. Yes, exactly. So you wind up doubling your work hours. You know, you can't be unpacking boxes and putting things into the inventory system and doing all your accounting while you're out in the truck, you have to do it. You have to work your 12 hour day at a festival and then go home and do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I call it doing the nine to five and then the five to nine. Yeah. I know. You know that what they say, if you become an entrepreneur you, or if you do what you love, you can work every minute of every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure could. So you've had your book truck for a while now, was it three years? Um, we, I started, I went and looked at my first truck almost exactly three years ago, but I've only been operating it for two and a half. Okay, and now you have a brick and mortar location that you beautifully call an immobile location, which I love. Yeah. So congrats, congratulations. 
<laughs> also story behind the immobile location because people all the time ask do you have a storefront where we can visit you i don't know if you get i'm sure you get that in edmonton oh, all the time yeah people are like i like you and i want to see more of you and you're like great yes um, i love that so the maybe the very first time i said yeah we don't have a stationary store and then i was like nope that's wrong we also don't have a stationary store but what we really don't have is an immobile store <laughs> because it's such a great way to put it yes exactly and i I'm sure this is part of the reason why you like it too, but I like it because it makes it seem as though the ones that don't drive around are the weird ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you there. I, I feel like as if the ones who just kind of got an address right away and just kind of parked themselves almost took the expected way of doing things. Having the immobile bookshop is a lot more financially risky and it is a lot less flexible but it is a lot less work I really do mean that um mm -hmm. I know that the bookshop is a lot of work and I don't mean it to in any way say that people who own their own bookshops or start their own immobile shops first are not hustling hard because I know what it's like but it is a different type mm -hmm. of hustle and I think I don't know if you're ever intending to have an immobile shop but I think one of the main differences is because I have worked really hard for the last you know two and a half or three years is we occupy a place in the public imagination and so getting people to come to this to our storefront is not the same trial as it has been for my friends who've started immobile shops yeah I just really also want to give credit to them because it is extremely hard to start an immobile shop that you're there and that you're worth visiting and then get people to come you know it's true and I often think with a with a stabilized business like that if somebody comes once mm -hmm. then that could be a fluke that could be a one-of it could mm -hmm. be they heard about it from somebody mm -hmm. but if they return to you two or more times mm -hmm. that's really the, the success mm -hmm. right and so that's I think the piece that people often think oh somebody came in my door once I think mm -hmm. oh boy wait till they come back mm -hmm. to get back to the very first thing we were talking about which is how excited people are like the intense sense of magic they feel when they find us the first time you know repeat customers are not a huge thing in our business because we drive around. I mean, they might be, I know that you've worked more on building more of a regular route. Um, we have just so many licensing barriers out here that we aren't allowed to do any of that. And so I've spent the past two years building, you know, quite complicated schedules of markets and festivals and special events and outdoor places and cities that want us and there are some places where I have repeat customers but a lot of it is you know we went to a food truck festival and there were 80,000 people there and every single human I saw was a new human <laughs> wow 80,000 at a food truck festival yeah it's the biggest one it's the biggest I okay so they always post this and I'm the worst because I can never remember if it's the biggest one in western Canada or if it's the biggest one in all of Canada but the newest food truck fest is the best day of the year and part of the reason why I love it is because the food, the festival only runs from four until ten so it is if you know what it's like running the book track. Uh -huh. it's the most luxurious day like I get up I have breakfast with my kids we hang out we like, have basically have a whole day and I have to load in it too yeah and then I get to you know hang out and sell books for only six hours and then pack out at ten it's awesome <laughs> yeah that's a really good day it's a good day and when it's really busy like that, your day goes by so quickly and there's so much momentum. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I love those kinds of events. Yeah, me too. My one, my one, I don't know if I want to say regret, but the one thing that I have often thought about the truck, like the main limiting thing 
is how few people you can fit inside. Uh-huh. Yep. I, I think I remember I think I told you this when you came out to see the truck that when we bought it, it oh, this is gonna be this is this is terrible for an audio thing because I can't draw a diagram or anything. But when we bought it, <laughs> it only had one door to the main truck part. part. Like it had a wall to the driver's area. And yeah. So we had the guys who built it, Commodore's boat. So if anybody needs any work done on a boat or other type of large project, I strongly recommend them out here in Vancouver. Um, I had the, the welder at Commodore's boats cut me a door. And just like a big portal. And so now people can go in and out both the back door and the passenger side door. And it, I find that it, it lets more of a flow of people through. To get back to my original point, the limiting factor about having people in the shop is I've often thought, wouldn't it be great to have a trailer where the sides flip up and everyone can stand outside? And then you could have someone standing, you know, 10 feet away shopping the shelves and then they could get closer and pick off the one they want. So for all you people listening who want to start your own, that's what I would do with my second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what um, the the lady who's running her truck in Australia did. She got a second truck and the sides flip up and the back flips up. Exactly. And yeah. same with the, the Cincy book bus one. Her yeah. is on oh, the sides. It is so cute. Yeah. One of my friends here in, uh, in Beaumont, actually, she has a flower truck with the exact same format and it's just beautiful. She delivers flowers all over and she is an event everywhere she goes. There's one up here that has roll, one up flower truck out here that has roll up sides called Sophie's Flower Petals. Um, it was originally on a bike, hence Sophie's Flower Petals. Um, oh, cute. Yes, so cute. And then I have a good friend. It's worth looking up her model if anyone's interested in mobile retail. Her business is called Refill Road and it's the cutest little kind of cabin looking thing in the sides flip up. I, I strongly recommend looking up Refill Road and her design. It's, okay. it's totally unique okay i will put a link to her in the show notes mm -hmm. cool now and you are known for your very eclectic sci-fi feminist and indigenous titles amongst all your new and old books so how have you narrowed down what your readers really want? Yeah, that's a good question. It's funny. I'm, one of the main things I'm known for as a human is being a big advocate of what a friend of mine refers to as a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, <laughs> I, I am just a huge advocate for the industry as a whole. I think that with collective action is productive action. You know, we can work together and support each other. And so, um, however, I recognize that booksellers are a little bit like cats. <laughs> We just want our own space. Um, so, you know, getting us all together and working in the same direction can be a hilarious exercise at some times. But we've been working together out here to bring back a book brochure that was available out here advertising Vancouver booksellers. As part of that, we had to say what we specialize in. I couldn't decide what to say I specialized in, and so I just kind of fell back on the obvious thing, which is I said, you know, Metro Vancouver's Bookshop on Wheels. My friend who was coordinating the data said to me, are you sure you want to put that in? Like, you know, you can change it. And I said to her, well, I thought Metro Vancouver's most erratically curated bookshop you know, wasn't the most effective tagline. And she said, personally, I would visit that shop in a heartbeat. And then I realized, yeah, like, yeah I would visit Metro Vancouver's most erratically curated bookshop, although it's setting a pretty high bar. You have to be pretty erratic to erratic some of the other bookshops out there. Um, so the answer is that a lot of it is based on my experience. And that's what I mean by like looking around and saying, I don't, I don't totally understand 
I often tell people that, like, they say, how do you decide what to put in the truck? And I say, I hold each book in my hands. Um, <laughs> and I say to myself, will I still want this book in two years? And if, <laughs> if the answer is yes, then I put it in the truck. When you ask yourself that, you will be surprised how many things you realize are they're trending or they're you're putting it in because someone gave it to you and you feel like you should honor the book or something and I really look for enduring quality in the things that I put in the truck and it's it's the same way I built the truck like I I tried to make decisions to create something that's going to have enduring quality and last for a long time and it's not going to need to be replaced or pitched or anything like that it's just it's going to be what it is and it's going to continue to deliver every day well I would think that you have hit that mark completely your community seems to have been responding so well to you and the neighborhood seems to be so grateful for you. And I, I can't help but think it's not just because of your winning personality. It's because you are putting something in their hands that they really value. I would say that's the majority of it. I don't think, I don't think, I generally don't think being charming at people is, a, is necessarily a good reason to come back and shop on them. I, <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of factors. I think that we are genuinely bringing something that was needed anyway. I think that we specifically are doing it in a way that really works for the neighborhood. And I think that we've built enough of a reputation for looking for enduring quality. You know, people expect to come to the store and if it's going to be a trashy romance, it's going to be the best trashy romance. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's something we've really looked for. I really don't love the word curation, although it gets applied to the way we manage the inventory of the shop a lot. I prefer the idea of shepherding walk, you know? like what oh, I like that. Thank you. I'm trying to keep it going kind of in a direction. I'm, it's not like the iron fist of aesthetics, you know? I, I'm trying to hear what's happening and kind of read the terrain and, and kind of keep us flowing generally where we want to go, but willing to take a different route if that's what we need well and you probably hear this a lot because i know i do and if i'm hearing it i'm sure that you are an expert at this already people have commented so often to me oh i'm surprised that, that you're doing this i didn't think bookstores were a thing anymore i thought those were going the way of the dodo bird right do you hear that kind of thing yeah you know this has been a major topic in the in the maybe we should call it the bookseller support group where I kind of force everybody to get together and talk every quarter or something. Um, <laughs> it's come up a lot when I visit with the other booksellers, this sort of sense of, I don't know exactly what the emotion is. I, I would hesitate to call it frustration, but definitely we do hear it a lot. We are so aware in Vancouver of the affordability crisis because we're all under it, right? Like we, none of us can afford to live here really I, I mean some people can you know if they've owned their house for a really long time but for the most part we're all really under this great affordability crunch which was also part of the reason why we decided to kind of revive the book truck idea in the first place so what I actually get a lot out here in the truck <laughs> which is different than the store but in the truck what I get a lot of is people saying to me this is such a clever solution to bookshops dying <laughs> yes yes and I yeah, and I do, I agree. I also don't think bookshops are dying. And I don't, and I mean, you know, because you do this, you know, the market research mm -hmm. shows that like more paper books are being sold than ever before. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
But it's hard to tell that to somebody when they think, well, of course you're going to say that. You're a bookseller. Uh, but the data is still the data. Like, it, it doesn't matter if I say it or somebody else. It's legit. I think that there's a stigma out there that people thought, oh, well, ebooks came in, audiobooks came in, all of a sudden, paper was done. And I think that when you ask a reader, that is not their impression. A reader will tell you, um, no, no, bookstores are still important to me. Yes, I, I think we've both posted about the the positive health effects of reading a paper book and the negative health effects of screen reading. And, you know, um, you know, research shows that when parents teach their kids off of paper books, they learn to read faster versus when they try and teach them off of an e-reader and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. What I have found, I, I agree, I think people come into the shop with this idea that they, they want you to be as a friend of mine who owns a bookshop, I said like, they want you to be a pauper with your hat in hand and be like, Oh, please <laughs> support the dying book. And um, <laughs> it's a bit disappointing when you when you aren't dying. But I have found that the most effective way to persuade them that like, no, we need it is just to reach for their emotions about it. Because the main people who say, it's so sad to see books dying, they usually follow it up with I myself love paper books and only read them. And so <laughs> I usually say to them you are the you are the human like you are the person who is you are the reason we're not dying there you are not the only one who feels this way <laughs> exactly and i think that sometimes they think they're the only one until they get into a store and realize yes. look at all of us here yes right like that's it's just so beautiful to see them all together i like overhearing sometimes the conversations that happen in the truck between yeah. people who don't know each other yes it's so fun. What is coolest about the truck, so a main difference between the truck and the brick and mortar is because it's so small. And I'm sure you've had what I've had where it's just, it's a hilarious game of sardines in there. And people are like, is it at capacity? And I'm like, well, we can fit another two more, you know, everybody squish in. The hilarious thing is I get really excited about something. And, you know, because someone says to me, oh, I'm looking for, I'm just looking for a good read. And then, and then you ask them, what do you like to read? And they said, I like to read everything. And then you say, okay, well, you like fiction or nonfiction? Like, oh, I only read nonfiction. You're like, okay, we need to narrow it down a little bit so I can give you a good recommendation. But once you do, and you're super excited, you're like, you know what you should definitely read? You should definitely read Year of Living Biblically because it's hilarious and you will love it. And it totally walks the line, regardless of whether you're an atheist or a believer, you know, it it's humorous for both. And he whines, he deals with everything in a good way. And then there's somebody on the other end of the truck or even maybe just right beside this person who doesn't know them who's like can I have a copy too <laughs> yes <laughs> like hand selling to 10 people at once because you're you're in such a tight area that everyone can hear you know everything yeah it is pretty fun there was one girl she was I guess she was about 15 years old and every time somebody was talking about a book she'd say oh can you hold it up and she would just take a picture of it <laughs> and then <laughs> she's she said like, she's like, I'll forget which ones these were later and I want to make a list <laughs> That's good. <laughs> off everything everybody else was talking about. It was so adorable. That is amazing. And then you said, make sure you remember me and put the orders through the, my store. <laughs> yes, totally. Please, please come back. Please. Yes. Pop her hat in hand here. <laughs> we really need you. Like a poster. You should make a poster of yourself with a finger pointing saying, we need you. We need you, totally. <laughs> totally. And I... You must be just so busy run off your feet with the store and family and all this stuff. How are you how are you budgeting your time? I work all of the time right now. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> um I since November 15th, which is when we got the keys for the shop, 
I have worked every day, usually for 14 or 16 hours, except Christmas and Boxing Day and New Year's Day. I really owe a lot to my husband. Um, he owns half the business, but he has really stepped in. He's a professor here at SFU, and so usually what happens is he gets up and goes to work early, and I get the kids ready for school and take them to school. And then I, um, we're extremely fortunate because we live in a town that is attached to Simon Fraser University where we live. He gets up and walks to work and I drop the kids off at the school that's up here at the university and then I walk to the bus stop and catch the bus down to my shop, which is about 45 minutes. Um, so I can drop them off at nine and get to the shop in time to open. And then I open the shop, work all day, get on the bus home and get home about seven he's picked up the kids at three and then at seven he leaves and goes back to the office and works um which when I say it now sounds really nutty but <laughs> it seems to be working for us at the moment um I've hired four staff people for the new shop and I am anticipating my first day off being the first week of February I'm gonna start with taking Mondays off because they're very slow in the shop good for you that is quite a that is quite a juggle because I you know one thing I love and anybody if you're listening to this you have to go on to Iron Dog's Instagram and you have to watch their video of setting up the store a friend of yours did it right where she set up the camera and then she ran it it's I've watched it probably 20 times it is it is so satisfying and it gives you just a little bit of insight into how many hands make this work yeah and I think once it's set up you still have so much to do because I know parenting is a ton of work I have two kids too and it's a ton just running a house and, and being married and all the stuff that happens you still have to do it all yeah, I mean, I think the key is low standards. <laughs> you know, I, I really, Clifford and I, we have accepted that our house is a giant disaster right now and we don't socialize very much. And I we know it's not going to be forever. And I think this is also like a really key thing about entrepreneuring that people should know getting into it is that you have, um, if you could graph money, and time and work somehow against each other you would unlike somebody who has a conventional job where it's sort of like a flat slightly rising line in terms of more money for equal amounts of work over the amount of time um with entrepreneuring at the beginning the graph is ridiculous amounts of work no money <laughs> and then yep. i think as the business gets going and you get staff the the idea is that it forms this big triangle right so cumulatively over the whole period of time that you run the business it's actually the same as if you worked a regular job it's just yes. it involves this like massive output at the beginning of work and and risk and all that kind of stuff and if you can hustle really hard then you know you can wind up in 10 years i i'll be not working very much and my staff will be running everything and I will just be making a paycheck, ideally. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it just sounds so hilarious when I say it. I'm like, oh yeah, right, that's totally realistic. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know you're right because Clifford being there to balance that with you is so valuable. I know Mark is the same for me. He's a partner in my company too and I honestly could not do it all without him. Not only does he have great tech ability and he's the accountant and he's all these other little things but he just balances me out so that I can 
juggle and I can be exhausted one day and have tons of enthusiasm another day. And kind of, he helps me find the middle ground. Yeah. I think we are, we are totally a team. I mean, I'm envious that he does your accounting. Um, that was also something I was going to say, if anyone wants to start this, I strongly suggest learning QuickBooks now while you have time. You may feel like you don't have time, but I promise you, you do. Do it now and you only have one receipt and you know, don't have regular expenses. Trust me, it'll make your life better in the future. Um, yes. <laughs> just learn your accounting, all the hidden stuff, like you said, all the hidden work. Oh, totally. The behind the curtain stuff. Exactly. If yeah, that... I, yeah. <laughs> the yucky stuff. Yeah. That's what I call it. I just call it the yucky stuff. Wow, that's a good generic term. Maybe I'll start to put it. We often laugh about how I went into social work initially because there was no math requirement. So I couldn't be a nurse, couldn't be a teacher. I, social work was it. And now I'm an entrepreneur and math is part of my everyday. Mm-hmm. I know you thought you were just going to be telling people about great books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sitting there on my cozy chair. Yeah, that whole, the whole ideal. Yeah, no, that's not it. I am so grateful for you because when we started, we had all of our lists and we had all of our papers and I had graph paper up to my knees and I had sketches and I had stuff that I'd been doing for years, but I finally pulled them out. And I had told Mark and we were talking about it and we were planning. He found you online <laughs> and he yelled up to me, Brandy, oh my gosh, she's just like you. <laughs> and, and I had to look and that's when we thought, okay, we have got to meet this girl. Because when I saw my ideas, I thought, oh, it's possible. It's totally possible. So when we met you and I saw what you were doing and I saw people asking you questions in the truck and, and you were just so casual and so generous with your time. And I thought, okay, you know what? Yes, this I know now. I know exactly. And so seeing you do it inspired the heck out of me to just finish. Yeah. Because we had already got our inventory and we had already started to look at the trucks and we had all the paperwork ready to go. We just didn't have the vehicle in our driveway yet. I really appreciate you saying that because, as I mentioned, people email me and I'm sure email you all the time asking how to start their own. And I've got my response down to, I, I've written out basically like a full form letter and um, that I send them. And then I say, you know, if you want more follow-up, then we can talk about a consulting fee because <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to wind up being a lot of my time and I work all the time as previously mentioned. So I send them the form letter, but the one of the things I say in it is I give them I give them like raw, honest advice. And then at the end of it, I say to them, does this sound discouraging? I am not trying to discourage you. We love our business. We are so glad we did it. But you need to go into it with the most information possible so that you can make good choices for your own business, you know? Yeah. It can sound pretty dire saying, you know, I think in my email, I, I, I think I'd literally say, try and spend all day outside in a tent on a really bad weather day. And that will oh. help inform the construction choices you make in the truck. And then I say to them, like, does this sound too dire? It's nothing compared to pulling a 12 hour day at a festival with the rain and snow blowing and the truck batteries dying and, and no prospect of relief. Right. And people aren't going to come out. So you're not necessarily getting the profit that day that you had hoped and everything is different and I think adjusting your expectations is so key and when people talk to me about it I say you know what you have to really test the marketplace find out what your community actually wants and what there's room for talk to other mobile retailers talk to other bookstores find out what the market is, is like where you are yeah because your idea could be great but maybe it's not exactly for that particular place at that time yeah you have to you have to just know and be willing to hear things you don't want to hear yeah I 
definitely think that that I mean that's that's just a good life skill in general, but it's extra essential when you when you're risking so much starting a business, you know. It's really important to be able to to hear the feedback from people so that so that you can make it a success. To get back to one of your earlier questions about about our feminist queer POC sci-fi and then also obviously <laughs> our indigenous studies section. Um, I don't think we mentioned on here, but both my husband and I are native and so the indigenous studies section has just always been it's just, you know, you can't change who you are. So it's been built into the the things that we are interested in and want to stock anyway, um, since the beginning. And then it has just happily turned out to be something that people out here are interested in. Because so much of it's based on my experience, I already knew kind of what people were asking for. But I also think that we are fortunate in that we hit upon some pretty essential veins of interest out here. I think that our project in particular, it was never intended to just be part of the experience for people. It was always intended to be a reaction to the affordability crisis, you know, to be a social project and a political project. We've always been out there with a mission. I've always made talking about the social, economic, political landscape of Vancouver and critiquing it and critiquing the politics, part of who we are and part of my media presence. And that has quite happily turned out to be something that our community here wants, you know, and that our goal of making our bookshop also a really significant part of the Vancouver cultural landscape has, I guess, paid off. It's sort of a weird way to talk about it because we're so interested in all these things that are not just like, not just a paycheck, you know? Um, Yeah, exactly. But it has turned out to work, like, you know, being interested in going in there and saying, you know, my husband is getting really into finding South Asian sci-fi and fantasy right now, which I recognize seems a little bit niche. But we, <laughs> but you know, we get really excited about it. We're like, tell people, you know, we're doing this project. We're finding these things. You're going to find something amazingly in the truck. You're going to find things that you haven't seen other places. Let me recommend to you something that nobody else will recommend to you but me. Well, that's one of the things that makes you guys so fantastic. Thanks. I really appreciate that. I made a I made a pile of books here. Um, and by made a pile, what I mean is I looked over at the pile of books on my bedside table that I'm reading. Do you want to talk about those? <laughs> sure. What is on your bedside table? Tell me. Oh, such a good question. Okay. Let me... Re- oh, no. I don't want to rank them from least to most favorite. But I do want to save one to last. So we'll do the other four in no particular order. But I want to talk about my favorite one last. So okay. I... I'm sure you do this too, but in the book community, you know, you follow all these other shops and writers and things and and they tell you about stuff you should read. So I'm reading The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Harrow. It just came out. It's a new hardcover. I'm stocking a couple in the shop right now. I'm not, full disclosure, not sure I love it yet, but there is a writer friend who I really have a lot of respect for and she posted on Instagram about how it was the favorite thing she's read in the last couple of years. And so I'm really giving it a real try. It is definitely a love letter to stories, the idea of stories and how stories inform your life, you know? Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. I, honestly, I think you would love it. Like, I think you would love it. I, I am a little on the fence. I got to read a little further. I think there's been some pretty problematic descriptions of people of color in here. And I'm I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. But so we'll see. But I love the idea of, you know, the 10,000 doors of stories kind of thing. I think it's really amazing. I have a book called Plum Rains by Andromeda Romano Lax, which is 
she lives on Vancouver Island, actually, and it's sort of a sci-fi novel set in the Philippines, I think, and in uh, Japan. It's really interesting. Um, I'm reading The Yarn Whisperer by Clara Parks, which is a memoir about her life in knitting, because I'm also a big knitter, which is another thing that people always remember about the chuck is that I'm usually knitting. <laughs> I read the, I'm reading The Weather Detective by Peter Wallabin. I don't know if you've read his Secret Life of Trees, but that's kind of the one he's been Oh, yes, I did. Or Hidden Life of Trees. Anyway, this is his book on how to look around and see the weather. And then my favorite one, and you really should get this in the the truck if you can. It's called uh, the Salt Path by Raynor Wynn. And oh, I've heard of this. Yes, it's so good. This is the one I wanted to save for last. And you know, one of my reps, who's not a rep for Penguin, she came in and she said, you know, I just, I just really love this book, and I know it. I, I know I'm not wrapping it, and I don't get any money if you sell it. But you have to have it in the store because it's perfect for who you guys are, and it really is. You know, it's about this woman. Just for anybody listening to this who hasn't heard of it, it's about this woman and her husband, and they make a business investment with a friend, and then the fr- it all goes south, and the friend winds up suing them for more money, and they lose their house and their business and everything. And around the same time, he is diagnosed with a neuro degenerative disease and so they're homeless they have nowhere to go they're surviving it's in uh wales i think they're surviving off 48 pounds a week which is kind of the stipend for being homeless and for them and uh they decide they're going to walk the the southwest coast path i was like the west coast path but that's in zone yeah the southwest coast path um, which is 630 miles long and oh my yeah it's unbelievable and that's what they do because they they just decide they're going to sleep rough like they have nowhere to go so they do that instead and their kids are in college and they yeah they wind up hiking and camping it's an incredible memoir it's so well written it's 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 great it's really great okay i'm i'm literally writing this right down <laughs> put three three stars around the title <laughs> yeah exactly you have to get it in the truck you can hand smell it like crazy <laughs> oh that's so exciting i always love a new book that is well recommended because i get a lot of people say oh you have to read it but Tell me what it makes you feel. Tell me what it does for you. What what did it do for you? And I, this was really good because now I can tell exactly what this did for you. You were obviously motivated by this. It's obviously left an impact on you. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Like what, what I was going to say what box put it in, but like what chamber of my heart, you know, because you don't, much like food, you don't, you don't just pick up a book, you know? No. That's why I have five on my bedside table. It's totally normal. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I know I get teased a lot because I usually have three or four books in the go at any given time. Because that's just how I roll. That's that's how it works for me. And I love the diversity of that. I love not knowing that if I have this book in the bathtub and this book in my purse, and this one's in my truck and this one's by my bed, <laughs> they're all different. And I don't get them confused. I just I love having multiple stories. Yeah, if you don't work in the industry, I think it's easier to stick with to start a book and finish it. I think I don't necessarily understand the difference between work reading and fun reading in my life. Uh, (laughs) All of my reading is for the store. And sometimes I pick books that I'm more likely to enjoy on a personal level. Um, But I always try and steer it towards something. You know, I try and read books that people haven't heard of so that I can recommend them. I try not to read the things that are really huge right now because... 
enough people have talked about them that the reader doesn't need me to tell them about the testaments. No. And I often think that I find myself to be a little bit resistant to what is popular and shiny. Mm-hmm. I, I love backlist. I love older mm-hmm. stuff. I love things that are a little bit more mm-hmm. eclectic or even if the cover grabs me, but I don't know anything else about it. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that everybody's reading, no, no, no. Just like I'm not going to buy a shirt that everybody else is wearing. I'm not going to read what everybody else is reading. Backlist is where it's at. That I mean, that's what I mean about the enduring quality you know you got to look yes. at something that shows that shows that it's going to this is going to survive it's still going to be good in two years you know it's the reason why most diet books or current events are just not useful in the truck also because a lot of that stuff are books that they're books that I think of as grocery store shopping where you <laughs> have a list and it's you know like you're doing it and you're like this is my virtuous list purchase um <laughs> virtuous book purchase whereas the truck is just so the truck is the candy bar at the checkout like it is the thing that you are not expecting ever because nobody is expecting to find a book truck ever because there's yes. just not enough of us. And so it is the thing where you, you walk in and what you want is not your, you don't even remember you have a list, you know, because you're so right. surprised. You just want something cool and exciting. And that's why you have to reach for something that has enduring quality because then you can say, you know, what I find is people ask me for things they've always meant to read. So they don't, they won't remember their grocery list of books, but they'll remember they've always wanted to read, I don't know, Jane Eyre or something. Totally. And I love that when that book is there, they just think, oh, how did you know? <laughs> I was just waiting for you. That was the point. I feel that way because, because I, it, it's not that far of a stretch to say that the truck and the bookshop are extremely erratically curated. Um, I do feel that way. I'm. I mean, I'm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm. Don't get metaphysical about anything because I'm <laughs> very staunch, you know, real world <laughs> human. Um, but I think that over time you develop book radar, you know, and you develop the sense that this is a cool thing and the right human's going to come along for it. And I'll put it on the shelf and I'll just, I'll let it wait there for the right human. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what I do. And then it's so satisfying when somebody picks up and says, I can't believe you have this book. I've looked for it everywhere. And I think, Oh my gosh, it was yours the whole time. Mm -hmm. Everybody else who touched it, it was not for them. It was waiting for you. Yes. I feel like that too. I love being there in that moment where you can see that happen. The truck is an incredibly human scale experience. And so many things that we do in sort of contemporary life are not on a human scale, really. I've had, I don't know if you get this, but I've had lots of people say to me, what I love about your store is that I feel like I could look at every book if I wanted to. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think that this was some of the, big boxes or whatever not Costco because they only ever stock 200 books at a time but (laughs) I'm exaggerating but they don't have a good selection um the you know for some of the big ones where there's just loads of titles available it can feel kind of overwhelming or feel like you can't make a decision or you can feel like you're being railroaded into what they want you to buy because it's really obviously everywhere yes and the i i do think that that sense you know like i can come here and i can actually see all of the things and and have a good think about it and not not be overwhelmed by the you know sort of plenitude of choice kind of thing it's true and i think the beautiful thing about that is is because you have so carefully chosen what goes on your shelf 
you don't have a bunch of garbage crap and stuff and the books are in good condition right you, that's such I mean, a harsh it's, review but it's true harsh but fair brandy harsh it's but true it's true i've been in your truck i know you pay attention to every book you put in there well it's all intentional but the thing is is that you know and like you know what i know from the scale of the thing is that i have physically cleaned priced shelved reshelved put in a bin and reshelved you know every book so many times there's no space when you're doing when you're so engaged with your inventory there's no space to be like oh yeah i forgot that was there you know because yeah. there's just there's just do you get when people come in and they say to you, do you know what you have? And you say, yes, I do. And they look at you like, "How? what kind of book wizard are you? No, I, I have touched all these books so many times. And I've stood in here and stared at them for hours. So, yes. Or <laughs> <I> raining <laughs> at a market. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I even take some books out sometimes. I start reading them. And then I put it back on the shelf and I take out another one and I start reading, just kind of get a, a feel for oh, it. Yeah. So, I mean, all day long, right? So, of course, I know it's here. Yeah. I don't get people who are surprised that I know what I've got. I get people, um, oh, man, that twigged something in me, the things that people are surprised. Sometimes I get people who say to me, I've read all the good books in here, which I, I know is a physical impossibility so I, I yes. what I think that is though I think it's that you you see the things you've already read what I get is not people being surprised that I know what I've got what I get is people asking me if I've read everything um oh yeah isn't that funny yeah and how, how do you answer them I, I just I say I say no I haven't you know I I don't even know if I could and and like and I mean I think they like it I think they like this sense that that it is a little bit intuition and magic and, and and a feel for the thing instead of you know just running a bunch of numbers and and saying this is what's going to sell the cool thing for us about the new store has been the ability to do a lot more full price new books we did uh i would say five percent of what was in the truck before was a full price new book um mostly of course we do secondhand and then some remainders as well the model for the truck has moved more towards selling uh a more equal amount of secondhand and remainders their same price point and um for the types of events we do sometimes carrying duplicates of really great things is better than carrying singles of a whole bunch of other stuff in the truck we only did about five percent full price new and we did it for all the stuff that we were really excited about you know when because again people are looking for that bespoke shopping experience and so you want to be able to reach for something that you know is going to meet their needs so we get this is the best this is the best gender queer sci-fi <laughs> Space opera, you could possibly, <laughs> and that's why I have it in the store. Um, um, the cool thing about being in the big store is that because we don't have to worry about driving around with the books and the conditions in the truck, with the storefront, that's much less of a concern, which I really appreciate. Like, I, I love that we can kind of do both, we can be this excellent full service generalist bookstore and also whatever the truck is, yeah. you know, this kind of shifting experience for people yeah you really have uh you're, you're playing the line with all sorts of brilliant ways of doing book selling i, I kind of love it i love it and as we regularly over here bounce around with do we get a stabilized location mm -hmm. do we continue like because with the winter here mm -hmm. like it's minus 34 today mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 
I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm done hurting. Mm-hmm. So we think about it all the time. We're always trying to figure out if that's what we want to do. Yeah. And then, you know what? We just kind of wait. Yeah. And real estate is so expensive. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. And I just want to do the best that I can do. So when I watch you do all the things you're doing and you're doing it so well and you're giving so much of yourselves to making it excellent, I just got to give you props because I know it's not easy and I know it's a ton of work and you are doing such a great job. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's crazy. So I completely hear you that there, there are so many barriers to entry. It's part of the reason for my advocacy. You know, one of the things that we're, I'm really trying to work on out here and I keep saying I'm going to email the city councilor and set up a coffee date and I swear I will tomorrow. Um, it won't help me now because we're too established, but it would have helped me three years ago. And I want to help me three years ago, you know, like the, the me of today, I want them to have a better opportunity is I think that in Vancouver, we really need to start looking at affordable commercial retail units. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to start requiring them the way the government legislates affordable residential. We just start recognizing that commercial is an essential part of community building and that no matter how much cultural funding you pump in after the fact, you cannot replace the value of a neighborhood bookstore. It's true. I talked to one um, one community here where they were putting in some commercial spaces and I contacted them about, you know, how much it would be to be there. Yeah. And, and she asked me what I did and I told her and she said, oh, well, you know what, that won't work anyway, because we only want chain stores. Mm. That's what our customers want. And mm. I said, then every strip mall area is going to look the same as every other strip mall. Yep. And that is not what your people want. Yep. Yeah. And she said, well, that, that's who can afford it. And I said, well, that's your problem. that's what's wrong yes i i feel that way about vancouver i'm always saying like we're turning into the most homogenous city where it's just the same five blocks repeated and the reason is exactly what you're talking about well and then you rule out the opportunity for somebody who is small Mm -hmm. somebody who is independent Mm -hmm. who's unique who's a one of Mm -hmm. to to actually get themselves started and established and be that benefit to the community that only they can be in their way yes exactly i mean and independent bookshops and independent art galleries and record shops independent business owners we get excited about things and we will do so much programming for free just because we're excited about it you know we will host events we will we will just be like yeah i just want to see this happen i think it looks cool you know like we don't we're not we're not sensible in that way because we're not very good Mm -hmm. capitalists we're just like i feel excited this is my passion project i want to do this and we'll work like dogs where you would have to pay somebody so much to be a public programmer yes and some of those big companies they don't care about the community no no. right they're not in the community they're just thinking about the bottom line and that's their job that's that's, they they do it they do it well but that's their job and so when you think about somebody who is local who's invested in the people who live there that's who you want there yes yes Ah, preaching to the choir here. You're preaching. We agree. If anybody listens to this and thinks, yes, I want to go to city council and I want to advocate for redevelopments to include small CRUs so that they're, because that's the piece is that like, if they're little, they are naturally cheap. So if you're required to have two 500 square foot units, then somebody starting out can afford to lease those, even if the lease rate is stupid, even if they're paying $15 a foot in taxes. You got it. Well, and I'm glad that you got a spot 
and you're able to benefit your community and that they're able to see all the cool things you guys are doing. And it's only just begun. Like you guys have just started. Yeah. We're only all the, all the neat things you're going to do. I can't wait to, <laughs> we're only, only, what is it? Five or six weeks in now, you know, to actually being open there. A lot of people have asked about the truck and, and obviously we're keeping it going. I mean, I think it's been pretty clear from this conversation, but in case anyone was worried, I promise we're keeping it going. <laughs> we are keeping it going in almost exactly the same way. That's what I think is really cool is that, you know, we've learned a lot. The The storefront is letting us do all the stuff that we wanted to do, but couldn't do in the truck, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like having your inventory all in one place. <laughs> okay, right. But I meant, I meant like more in terms of serving our community. That the store is letting us—it's letting us be open every day, so that we can do proper special orders for people, and they don't have to chase us around in the truck trying to find us, um, yeah. so that they can pick up their book. You know, it's letting us do big orders for schools and universities again because we're available all of the time for them to do pickups or for them to come in and we can have basically like a consulting appointment and people say well can't you do that other truck too i could but it's not very convenient for my customer and now hillary when people are hearing this and they're saying okay i have got to find this girl i've got to go to her place i've got to see what she's doing i got to see her stuff where can they find you? Ah, excellent question. Um, first of all, on the internet, you can find us at www.irondogbooks.com. Our immobile shop is at 2671 East Hastings in Vancouver. And then the reason why I put the website out there first is because we have two buttons on there, one that says find the store and one that says find the truck. So if you do want to find us, we have a calendar of the truck states. It's empty right now because the truck's off the road till April. Um, but if you do want to find the truck and visit us, we'd love that. I, I I think it's worth it. I think it's worth visiting this in the truck. Yeah. And, um, and then finally, if you need to find us on the socials, part of the reason why we picked the name is because we're the only one. So it's Iron Dog Books for everything. Well, I totally have, I've, I said before, I do appreciate you and I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I will continue to wait with bated breath for all the changes and all the cool things you're doing. Um, because you got a fan here in Edmonton. I am cheering for you big time. Thanks, Brandy. I really appreciate that. You know, it's it's so good that there's always, that there's more of us and that our community is building and we're showing people what we do. So thanks so much for letting me come on and, and talk to you about this weird job we have. <laughs> Oh, it was so good to talk to Hillary. If any of you are in the Burnaby area, please go to Iron Dog Books. Check it out and find all the great reads. You won't be sorry. I will put all of her contact information in the show notes. So please follow her and support her any way you can. A book truck is just one way of sharing my story with the world. We all have a story to share in our business. And I'm so grateful that I met Hillary at the beginning of my book truck journey because she was so generous and so kind as a business owner to lead the way and show me what's possible and inspire me with something that I thought might have been a little bit crazy. And actually, the crazy stuff kind of rocks the boat. You know what I'm saying? So remember, book truck life is not just about books. It is also a business. No matter what your business is, shine a light of humor, kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant. Be generous. Be unforgettable. Until next time, happy reading.